What's going on, everybody? I almost said happy Monday, but I know it's Tuesday. Yesterday was Labor Day, so uh, hopefully a bunch of you got to hit the boat one last time, get out on the water. It was a little bit cool yesterday, not going to lie, but uh, hopefully everybody had a relaxing day. Everybody who got the day off, if you didn't have the day off, I've worked a bunch of Labor Days myself, so appreciate you all keeping things going for everybody who got uh, got to get up and go to work yesterday. I know Lucas and Will Bowling and the crew did a great job holding it down on the station. I got to catch a little bit of that and enjoyed everything that I heard. But uh, here's the bottom line, boys. College football season is well underway. Heck, some teams have already played two games. You could already lost the coach. <laughs> so the business of college football just never stops. Literally, we already have a coaching a coach who's quit uh, this year, Randy Edsel. He was going to retire, and then they he's like, nah, I, let's just go ahead and make this happen now. So that's college football. Uh, Vandy, we were trying to figure this out, Blaine, and Brett Bryan and me were talking in the blue room or in the green room here. What color it? Whatever yeah. color. Blue, it is. green, donut. There's cake. donuts in there. There's a cake. Some the show had a first birthday. Yeah. Jay Martin Ramon, they got a nice cake. Yeah. yeah. Have you ever been a kid that you you uh, you got your first birthday and then no one got you a cake? Yeah, I think that happened recently. Oh, okay. I was just I was just wondering, do you feel bad because of it? I mean, like. Yeah. Like, dang, are we the stepchilds or something? I don't know. It's, we've been on the air for a year or in something. Like, haven't we? It has to be a while. Hey, How belated is the birthday of this show? Uh, Do y'all know the day it was created? No, no. I know. Because I didn't, I mean, I came along like in March. So I, right, you wouldn't know. Yeah. I, I think it's probably aboard, been <laughs> um, maybe a year and a month. If I was guessing. You're the show's director of content, so I count, I count <laughs> on you. You that. are. I mean, you are. You're the director of content. I'm going to put <laughs> Lucas is our show linguist. I'm going to put J. Mart's, or not J. Mart, Ramo's helmet here <laughs> and feel like, like he, I have no way I could remember that after, like, running the people like Ramon. There's like, one I mean, clock in you the think studio. I would remember some stuff like that? That helmet gets put in front of the clock right. every day. It's Sorry, Ramon, your helmet is getting moved. We cannot see the clock. One clock in the whole studio. Lonzo says good afternoon. Blaine, Mickey, and Lucas, good afternoon. Cousin Tower says good afternoon. Blaine and Mickey, Lucas, good afternoon. To you as well, we're getting all kinds of good afternoons here. Uh, everybody's feeling good on this Tuesday. And uh, it's Titans week. I mean, here we go. The start of the 17-game season begins this week. Titans at Arizona, noon on Sunday um tennessee of course played last thursday they'll play again against pittsburgh in the johnny majors game on saturday but yeah. we were discussing this in the whatever color that room is going back to that vanderbilt lost to etsu uh final Ooh. score 23 what was it 23 to 3 could have been worse they had a pick six wiped out in the game and settled for a field goal big six as well didn't somebody return a kick that was called back too was it kickoff a, a kickoff Oh, maybe it was. That's what Rhett, yeah, Rhett it was a long return. Okay, yeah. so they had that wiped off, uh, blown out by ETSU. They're going to play Colorado State on Saturday. They were beaten by South Dakota State. What? Who's also a one double A team? And they scored. South Dakota State beat them like forty five to twenty three or something. What was it? What's What's the worst loss this past weekend? You got Montana beat Washington, which Mark Mariani probably you can't he's even talk to him up. right he's now. He's jacked. I had to. I had to like his stuff there. He's, oh, he's jacked up. Yeah, got LSU lost to UCLA for what it's worth. Just Pac twelve LSU. So you know SEC. Uh, what's the other? You, you know, you had some other losses. I mean, some people would say you know Clemson losing to Georgia. I picked Georgia in that game. Yeah, As we a, called our shot on Friday. Yeah. I, I picked Georgia. Yeah. If Georgia's going to win a national championship, you needed to beat Clemson. Everybody's saying this is the year. So, yeah. Um, you know, and now they're they're. You know, with COVID, some players have COVID. 
and they're not going to be able to play in this game versus UAB. Yeah. Saw that going across the ticker. Uh, but, you know, there were some games, you know, some were closer than others. You know, some, oh, North Carolina losing, which happened earlier, which, you know, playing in Virginia Tech is tough to play, and they played them tight into overtime last year. I remember watching that game. So that that wasn't as surprising, but, you know, somehow how he played, he's kind of a, you know, a guy that's in a, you know, running for the Heisman, and uh, he, didn't, he didn't play so well. Him and Rattler almost got beat by Tulane. Tulane's a good program, though. Mm-hmm. They, they, they can play with anybody. Billy Fritz. Yeah, so yeah, so you know, hey, it is what it is, but man, ooh, I, I think uh I don't know, are you more surprised that LSU lost to UCLA or the Montana over Washington? Probably most people here don't care. So they're gonna go LSU uh losing to UCLA. for me, baby, LSU and, and I don't we somebody tweeted tweeted the show on Friday and said or tweeted the show, sorry, Sunday and said you guys had a guy on recently, and he was saying how good LSU is. You never need to have that guy on. Well, people have to give their opinions. So before the season, everybody tries to pick a Cinderella team or somebody. They'll try to get on somebody's bandwagon. Maybe LSU can still be good. I don't know. But you got Ed Orgeron calling a guy, CSC wearing his blue shirt. That's sissy blue you got on. <laughs> did you see that? No, I did not see that. That's why yelled, I'm laughing. I did not see that. The guy yelled at him. He's like, you and your sissy blue shirt. And, and then they beat him. So now LSU is making... I'm sorry, UCLA has a shirt that says Sissy Blue. Oh, because they got that. It's kind of a powder blue. Yes, I, you know me in that color. I love that color. Yeah, yeah. It was a lot of history there for UCLA. I, I can't believe Big O, man. He's all the guy Sissy. Man. Come and, on, Big O. Yeah, you know, Chip Kelly went over to him and said, all right, man, good good, good job there, Sissy O. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever he would have said that. I wonder what coaches say sometimes. You know, because sometimes you see people – you know, coaches talking to one another. You know, you can tell they walk away like, oh, you just pissed me off. You know, and sometimes like, hey, man, good job. Man, you, we lost. It, was, it wasn't a good job. Regardless, we would have won even if we played bad and we still won. You know, so, oh, man, you got a heck of a team. Again, that's kind of an awkward moment to me. Like, you know. Post-game handshake? Yeah, yeah, like for the head coaches to go over there, you know, like, man. Because those guys are competitor in a different way, not because they're not playing, but as coaches. So you go over and say, hey, man, you got a heck of a squad there. And if your team lost and he told you that, that's not almost like a slap in the face, too. Right. What can you really say? I just say, hey, man, good luck the rest of the season. Because I can't tell you, hey, man, you got a great squad. I know we just boat raced y'all by 60, but right. heck of Even a if you if you just beat them by a touchdown. Yeah, man. Yeah, great. Oh, that's the worst. I mean, like, Good really? game, coach. Yeah. Like, what's Nick Saban going to say to Manny Diaz after Saturday's game? Hey, Make man. him feel better. Hey, good luck. Hey, great job, Manny. Hey, your hair looks great. <laughs> yeah. The- hey, no, I don't I, know, man. I watched that game. I'm I, like, I stopped watching. It was like I know. And Alabama is a destroyer. Every year, <laughs> Good Lord. Every year, if you took me to Las Vegas and said you got to take a bunch of Lucas's money and bet that somebody's going to win the national championship, I would bet on Alabama every year because to me that's just the easiest bet in sports. I would hand half, you the money half the time. You'd be right. So I always think Alabama's going to be great. I thought Miami would at least make a game out of that. I did too. I thought it. Was, I did. I, well, I probably thought it was going to be a fourteen. You know, closer. I mean, they were out from the beginning. And Saban like, never tries to run it up on people. You yeah. know, they they just he, he, well, he start rotating the backups right. in there, and you they don't know, have just, to try to run it up. They, they know, averaged they, a twenty nine point margin of victory in week one of the Nick Saban era. It, man, it's and without trying, they don't want. He doesn't with, care with, about with running a, it up. A, a team of coaching staff that changes every year. <laughs> this is amazing. No, oh. everyone, everyone knows it's Nick Saban. He runs the offense and he runs the defense. 
Nope, we're going to run this system. You coaches, you come here, you must learn our system. Yep. I mean, O'Brien looks like a genius now. Really? He didn't look like that at <laughs> the Texans. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. Man, that guy. I, I bet. Saban has his system down to a T. Guys are already disciplined. It looks like they don't even have new players. They have a whole slew of new players. It, especially the, the quarterback has to be the leading candidate for the Heisman after for week one. He, he has to be. I mean, Lucas, did you see any quarterback that was better than uh, the, the kid at uh, Alabama? No, he was really poised. I think Matt Corral of Ole Miss uh, kind of lived up to his preseason Heisman dark horse yeah, expectations. Well, okay, last well, night, but, he played Louisville. Uh, uh, ACC did not have a good. Not a good, good but Bryce Young. Bryce like Young. A yeah. How about that starter? Lions though? He, how about that Lions thing? <laughs> but did you see how he, he looks like he's been starting for the last two years? He does. Poised. It, yeah, I mean, the, it was the best debut ever for an Alabama quarterback, wasn't it? Yeah, most touchdowns. Yeah, and I mean, he said when they asked him after the game, he acted like, "Whoa, I didn't, I didn't know that." Uh, well, I had good teammates, good play call, right? That's you what, know, that's what yeah, exactly. Say, yeah. That's what you're supposed to say. Well, man, he was sitting there looking like, "Man, this is easy breezy, man." Oh, man, and then you know, Clemson that that front four by Georgia, hey. <laughs> All those guys should go in the first round in the draft. <laughs> I want to get one, just one of those guys. I mean, they were coming after. What's his name? DJ. What's his name? I don't even want to say his last name at Clemson. That he he was a nervous wreck. He was dropping balls dead in his hands. Yeah. They hike it to him. He drop it because he's up there looking around to get rid of the ball. And he played a lot last year. Oh yeah, Never. he played a couple of games. He looked like, oh yeah, yeah, you look pretty good. Your first uh, starting college was a little better than Trevor. Yeah, they, 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 uh, yeah. And then Georgia had guys missing. I mean, yeah. injured to, to some guys could play. I mean, man. Oh, wow. If they get their offense together, I'm putting, yeah, Georgia has a great shot at the national title. They naturally going to play Alabama in the SEC championship. If they get their offense going, ooh, we watch out. Let's get to. Uh, we go, we'll, 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 we'll. Yeah, that's, you, that's his name. I think you just nailed that. Let's, yeah, so if any, Everybody who calls, if we take a call, they got to pronounce his name. Okay. Evan in Nashville is first on the Mark Clemson Spaniel quarterback's name is, I'm going to give you a DJ what? Here you Man, go. Man, you're talking disrespect. I don't even want to try. <laughs> well, what do you think? We, how you you got to take a stab at it, though, Evan. You little lay low, man. That's oh, that was, that was close. All right, I know what it would, sounds like. I definitely don't know how to pronounce it. All right. Uh, Evan wants to weigh in. You want to weigh in on Bama. Is that right? You're just laughing your way to another championship, it looks like. <laughs> right. No, but my thing is I haven't heard a lot of people talk about their strength and conditioning program and, you know, asking Blaine primarily, you know, how much do you think that plays a role in everything? And, I mean, is that part of the consistency or is that just something that falls by the wayside at the end of the day? No, no, the strength and conditioning is huge with every program. Yep. Now, you got to think about it. The strength and conditioning coach actually is the only coach that gets to interact with every single player. So not only do you have a better pulse of what makes these guys tick, what motivates them, where their mindset is. Also, you know, he's obviously he's doing a great job of, you know, building them and getting them ready. But when you're getting the best of the best and you got them focused, like Saban does with all these kids, uh, man, it's pretty impressive to watch. And the discipline that they have yep. is pretty incredible because he's recruiting all the five-star guys who are all about 
I'm the best. I'm gonna, and then get them to wait and be patient, and then go out there and execute like that is just woo. Yeah, along with yeah, yeah, the strength and conditioning is the lifeblood of every program. Yeah, yeah. So you, if if there's the best, they're the best program. Then they have the best conditioning, strength and conditioning program. Yep. And 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 it just never stops. It doesn't matter which but coaches I, leave. It doesn't matter which I, I usually leave. at this point I'm stops. tired of like I'm tired of a team like dominating. You know, I got tired of the Bulls. You get tired of the, the Lakers, the Celtics. Yeah. You get tired of the the ones that win all the time. Brady. I, I, yeah, but Tom Brady. Eventually, I'm gonna get there. I, 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 well, I don't want him to win this year. Last year, I said they were gonna win it. They did. Uh, you know, before the season started. So uh, I haven't gotten tired of Alabama. I don't know why. I, I think I'm fascinated. Like. How you can continually do this with eighteen to twenty-two year olds? Like, woo, man, that's that's impressive stuff. That's why he's the he's the greatest. Yes, that, that's uh, absolutely. You get like you said, the guys who've been the star, star, star to come and sit for two years at Alabama behind other five stars, and then as soon as they get going, they ramp it up, and it doesn't matter if their position coach has changed twice already while they've been there. They just keep it moving. We'll keep it moving. Next, uh, Ben McKee, our buddy. It's been a minute since we've talked to him. We'll talk to Ben McKee. VolQuest and the Swain event next. Looking ahead to Pittsburgh. Look a little bit back at last week as well. Hey, man, let's roll. Let's have a good time today. It's Blaine and Mickey on 104.5 The Zone. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hopefully uh, this is a great short work week for you. How about that? And then it just leads right into more college football, leads into pro football, and um Maybe you're a Tennessee Vol fan, and you want to talk a little bit more about that one. So let's do that right now with Ben McKee, who joins us uh, from VolQuest and from Swain Event at Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. Ben, how in the world are you doing, man? I'm doing great. I appreciate y'all having me back on. Hope uh, y'all are doing well as well. Yes, sir. It's been too, it's been absolutely too long. So let me start with this. We got a little bit of time in the rearview mirror between this game as before we start to look ahead at the next one. Now that you've had a little bit of time to maybe look at the game a second time or to to write about it, to talk about it on the air over there in Knoxville, is there anything that stands out to you maybe that didn't immediately, good or bad? Uh, yeah, I think uh, Tennessee can improve in the passing game. I think uh, I'm a little more optimistic about Tennessee's passing game moving forward than maybe I was after the game on Thursday night. I was very underwhelmed with with Tennessee's passing offense against Bowling Green and in large part because of you know <laughs> what we thought of Bowling Green coming into the game just a, a lack of experience a, a lack of talent uh, they were dreadful the previous season and uh, for many seasons uh, leading up to last year um, but I don't know that that Bowling Green is that Bowling Green team is as bad as we thought that they were. Not not saying that they're going to go out and, and win the MAC, and not trying to make an excuse for Tennessee. But uh, I'll be curious to see where they are in their conference here in about two months. But uh, just based off of what we thought of Bowling Green coming into the game, I, I thought Tennessee left a, a lot to be desired on offense. Uh, they ran the ball well. They they looked great running the ball. Offensive line looked looked good. Uh, Tyon Evans, Jabari Small, they looked great. Uh, Joe Milton looked good running around there a, a couple of different times, but uh, the passing game left a lot to be desired, in my opinion, uh, whether it was Joe Milton, whether it was the receivers. Um, it, it just wasn't a great performance, in in my opinion. Joe Milton uh, missing wide-open 
receivers down the field. It wasn't even the overthrows that concerned me the most because I think that he'll reel those in. Uh, Cedric Tillman spoke with the media today and said that those were completions for the most part during fall camp and uh, that first game for Joe in Neyland Stadium, a, a little more adrenaline. Uh, Cedric Tillman expects that to be cleaned up and, and not a problem moving forward. Uh, and, and then the receivers also at times could not get open uh, and, and struggled uh, just to be physical on, on the perimeter, quite frankly. Uh, so I was very underwhelmed walking away, but going back and just kind of listening to the players, listening to the coaches and, and watching it back a second time, I think most of the mistakes are correctable, uh, particularly with the deep balls. Uh, I think Joe Milton will continue to settle into this offense that he's only played one game in. Uh, so I, I walk away thinking from the rewatch that Tennessee's passing game can get better, although I, I didn't necessarily feel great about it after Thursday night's performance. Really one of the biggest stories to me this whole season, and it was always going to be a big story, but it seems to be even more obvious now is how Josh Heupel coaches up Joe Milton. He's the guy they brought here. He was going to start. How much better can they – like you said, you, you you said, hey, I watched it all. I felt better. I listened to what people said. It's correctable. But Joe Milton is going to be such a key for this team. How Josh Heupel and that staff, all of them, Alex Golish, everybody can coach him up, will be such a huge – I mean, it's just huge for the season. Absolutely. I mean, the the progression of Joe Milton – will dictate whether Tennessee has a successful first season under Josh Heupel or not. There's no debating Joe Milton's skill set. He has all the talent in the world, but just because you're a talented quarterback doesn't mean that you're going to be a productive uh, quarterback. Right now, he's a a great athlete back there in the pocket for Tennessee, uh, but he's not a a great passer. And I think that's what Josh Heupel is trying to get Joe Milton to. And they have a great track record. You all, I'm sure, talked about it all offseason long. We talked about it all offseason long here in Knoxville, but between Josh Heupel, Joey Hawley, the quarterback's coach and offensive coordinator, Alex Golish, Joe Milton is is a a prospect and a talented prospect that should, um, this staff should get the most out of because uh, they have proven so in in the past. And if they do, I mean, that's the difference, in my opinion, between six and seven wins or four and five wins. Uh, And uh, you know, there, it begs the, the conversation, are Joe Milton's flaws correctable at this point? Because on, on one side of the coin, you can be super positive and say, hey, that was the first game in a, in a new system for Joe Milton. He'll continue to get better. But on the other side of the coin, he is coined, <laughs> He is a fourth-year player, so is he what he is at this point? And you saw some mistakes against Bowling Green that you saw – on his film at Michigan. So you kind of wonder if he just is what he is at this point, but uh, it's going to take a heck of a coaching job for Josh Heupel to really get uh, all the best out of Joe Milton because he, he sure is capable and, and he can truly swing Tennessee season one way or another. On with Ben McKee at Ben McKee 14, uh Swain event and uh vault quest. You can find him lots of places. It's Joe Milton. But I wanted to ask you, the thing was concerning, I had never seen a quarterback with that kind of statuesque stance back there before he launched it uh, like that. Had you ever seen that? Because I, I think that can, you know, cause some issues at times throughout a game. Uh, so I, I'm just wondering, is that what Hypo is teaching or he's just not even messing with his mechanics as far as his arm? But I, I'm talking about more his feet. 
Yeah, that that was super noticeable. Uh, I'd never in, seen in that before. Yeah, I, I was I was as puzzled by it uh, as you sound right now, and <laughs> I got a laugh out of him pointing downfield like he's Babe Ruth calling a shot and and, and directing yeah. uh, receivers around to different places. And, and you like to to see him keep his eyes downfield and, and try to orchestrate the receivers and, and try to get them to, to certain places to to throw them open or, or get them open. Uh, so uh, it, you don't really see quarterbacks calling their, their, their Babe Ruth shot, but uh, against Bowling Green, you can get away with it, right? right. And he did at, at times. Can he get away with it against Pittsburgh? Probably not. Definitely can't get away uh, with it against a team like Florida coming up or, or Georgia and so on and so forth. Uh, but the feet and just kind of like he's standing in cement was, was concerning to me just because, like you said, you don't see that very often, and you hear coaches harp about footwork all the time and, and the importance of that, and it's very important at the quarterback position. I, I think it was a product of having all day to throw the football. Mm. Uh, I, I definitely don't think it's something that Josh Heupel is, is teaching uh, because you go back and you watch Dylan Gabriel or Drew Locke and Mackenzie Milton, and, and you didn't really see it with those guys. So uh, I, I don't believe it's something that, Josh Heupel and his coaching staff are teaching Joe. I just think it's a habit that he's going to have to break. Obviously, he's very agile and, and can move around and uh, make plays with his legs. But against stiffer competition coming up, he, he just can't get too comfortable uh, back there because he's not going to have that much time against more physical defensive lines. Man, I guess looking back, Ben, uh, you know, with Ben McKee with VolQuest, and, and that is defensively, was it the opponent or were they, you know, better than advertised? I know I didn't see anything on the stat sheet, but it doesn't always tell the story with Jawan Mitchell, the transfer from Texas. But how did the linebackers look? And just the defense in total, what were your takeaways from them? Yeah, I thought the defense looked better than I anticipated. Uh, granted, you mentioned the, the skill level across the way. Not great. Tennessee did what it was supposed to do. And I'll go back to what I talked about earlier about Bowling Green maybe being a little bit better than we anticipated because their quarterback had completed 44% of his passes last season. And he did not look at all like a guy who was coming off of year of a year in which he completed just 44% of his passes. Uh, apparently he was banged up last year and maybe finally healthy. And he's, he's much better than he showed last year. But the, the main thing that I thought was a positive for Tennessee was, was that they limited the big plays. They, they had some bus, uh, with the wheel route coming out of the backfield and on on some crossing patterns across the middle of the field. But they kept everything in front of them, and they didn't give up any explosive plays. And I think that's a huge step in the right direction from last year's unit uh, because that, that was a team, a, a defense, that all it did was give up explosive plays. So uh, we'll see how it does against Pittsburgh. Kenny Pickett is, is definitely going to test just how far this defense has come. But overall, I, I was impressed by Tennessee's defensive performance. I thought it was important to see that uh, Tennessee won the line of scrimmage. And you saw Matthew Butler, Elijah Simmons, Amari Thomas, Jaquan Blakely. You saw those guys do that. And against teams like Bowling Green, you, you should dominate. You have to dominate or, or else it's a big red flag. So uh, to me, that was the most important aspect of, of the defensive performance was that the, the defensive line did not get pushed around. Typically, the second week, you know, you get those jitters out the way the first game. You know, most teams have big growth uh, with their players, uh, but you got a heck of an opponent in, in Pittsburgh who's 
a defensive-minded head coach. Uh, what do you expect going up against uh, Pittsburgh at home? Do you expect them uh, to, uh, I guess, win this game? I think it's a total coin flip. Uh, you could tell me any result, and and I would believe you, uh, quite frankly, uh, other than either team blowing the other out. That that would be the only one that would surprise me a bit is if either team blew out the other. But I can see Pittsburgh winning this game. I, I can see Tennessee winning this game. Uh, I, I think it ultimately comes down to how big of a step does Joe Milton take from game one to game two, just like you spoke about. He He wasn't bad against – Bowling Green, but I think that performance against Pittsburgh gets you beat. You, you can't miss uh, as many wide open receivers uh, down the field as, as he did. And again, that was a bigger concern for me personally that he was missing multiple receivers mm-hmm. open down the field that you can't necessarily see on, on the broadcast. That was more concerning than the deep balls that he missed to Cedric Tillman because I, I do think that uh, he will begin to connect on those. He's not going to be perfect, but. Uh, I, I don't expect him to miss that many in, in one performance. So I, I think Joe Milton, he, he swings the season and he swings this game, and these games are going to swing uh, Tennessee's season. So if, if he takes a step forward, I, I think Tennessee wins this game. If he doesn't, if he plays like he did last week, then I think Pitt comes out on top because the, there's quite a difference in experience with these two teams. Uh, Bowling Green had 71 players on its on its roster that graduated high school within the last two years. And you look at the Pittsburgh depth chart, uh, and it's the total opposite. Veterans all over the place, and, and Kenny Pickett yeah. is a very talented quarterback. You know Pat Narduzzi's team is going to be well coached. So Tennessee's going to have to come to play, and I think we're also going to find out a lot about Tennessee's defense. But I think ultimately it comes down to Joe Milton. Where are we on the injury hit you real quick, uh, Mickey, uh, with uh, Cooper Mays? And I know the, the uh, Byron uh, Young kid, he didn't play, right? What's his situation? Yeah, Byron Young's dealing with some NCAA eligibility issues, and uh, he wasn't able to play last week because back in 2017, he played at an up-and-coming prep school uh, in the Mobile area, and it went under two games in due to financial reasons, and Byron Young played in those two games, but obviously the rest of the season was canceled. So uh, because he played in those two games, he has to sit out the first two games of this season because he had not played at the D1 level or I don't know the technical way it works with the NCAA because who knows how the NCAA works. It seems like they make it up as they go, but uh, he's just dealing with some eligibility issues. Tennessee is trying to appeal uh, and and hope that they can get him back on the field for, for this Saturday's game against Pittsburgh because he is Tennessee's best pass rusher alongside Tyler Barron and, and Roman Harrison, and, and Tennessee could really use him against a talented quarterback this weekend. So as of right now, he's not eligible, uh, but Tennessee is working to get that appealed and and get him ready to play. But there's no update in terms of of when Tennessee could possibly hear back on on that situation. In regards to Cooper Mays, he's a big question mark. Uh, Obviously sprained that ankle pretty good against Bowling Green and came back in the game for three plays, but immediately tapped out and could tell that he couldn't give it a go. Uh, and and so it's just a matter of how good he feels as, as the week progresses. I don't think Tennessee really knows one way or the other whether he's going to play. Uh, he's just a big question mark at this point, but Tennessee could sure use him back because he is the linchpin of that offensive line. All right, we're on with uh, Ben McKee of Alquest and Swain event. Hey, I, I saw Jamarian Gooch uh, basically in the transfer portal. I, I noticed this about a week or so ago that he was ruled medically ineligible at Mizzou, and at one time what he was – 
committed to Auburn, then he was committed to Tennessee, and then he wound up going to Missouri. Now he can't play there. What, and he's local guy, I guess, Gallatin. What, what's going on with him, the big fellow? Yeah, he's got some medical issues uh, that he's dealing with. Uh, he started at Gallatin, like you said. Uh, actually came over here to East Tennessee and was at the Kings Academy for about a year, year and a half. And uh, midway through his senior season, transferred back to Gallatin. And, and that was in the midst of him being committed to Tennessee and uh, signed with Tennessee. And, and the new staff came in. And um, it, it was a mutual parting of ways from from a football standpoint. Uh, and, and I do believe that Tennessee was somewhat aware of, of a medical situation and uh, that just carried on at, there at Missouri. Um, I, I don't recall the specific medical issue that he is dealing with, but uh, he, he is medically, I mean, he, he just can't play football in the eyes of Missouri. So I found that interesting. I saw that before I hopped on here with, with y'all that he had entered the transfer portal. Uh, Missouri deems him medically unfit to play. Can he find a, a home elsewhere? Obviously, you hope so for the kid. Playing college football is a one-in-a-million chance yeah. opportunity, the opportunity of a lifetime. Uh, so you hope he can get healthy and sort that issue out and, and play elsewhere. But uh, I imagine if Missouri had an issue with, with clearing him to play, he'd have an issue finding somewhere else to play as well. Ben McKee, our guest, uh, on the way out, I saw when the death chart came out before the game last week, I saw people like mentioning some names like Morvin Joseph, Aubrey Solomon. Those are names we used to talk about. I remember those guys getting there and having some fanfare. It's just a couple of names that kind of stood out to me of like, where are those guys? Yeah, we get that question quite often here <laughs> in Knoxville. Morvin Joseph, I think he's just trying to develop at this point. Uh, it's his second season, so he's quite younger than – Aubrey Solomon yeah. and Morvin Joseph had, had a nice little fall camp. I mean, nothing uh, that that makes you really, you know, question why he isn't playing. Uh, he's just still in that developmental phase, uh, in, in my opinion. And then with Aubrey Solomon, he just kind of is what he is at this point. Uh, obviously, he isn't the player uh, that he was ranked to be coming out of high school. And uh, now he has done a good job of shedding some weight. Uh, over the off season, dropped about 20 pounds, and, and he looks better. Um, but I, I just think he's been surpassed on the depth chart and, and isn't the guy that we thought he was coming out of high school and transferring from Michigan. Ben, good stuff, man. Always great to catch up with you. People can follow you at Ben McKee 14, and they can listen to and watch the Swain event, and then they can uh, see and read your work at VolQuest as well. Thank you, man. Appreciate it, Ben. Always. Absolutely. Always appreciate y'all having me on. Yes, Thank you. Sir. Always good to catch up with Ben McKee. Uh, when we come back, Cuzzo Mike is in the uh, Zone TV chat. He sent us his ding-dong of the week. And this is going to be a bunch of people's ding-dong. Maybe we should go ahead and, and get our ding-dongs ready for the next segment. Oh, I didn't know a lot of people could have the same ding-dong. I, I think a lot of people share this ding-dong. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that, that Lucas has uh, wrinkled clothes on today? No, that, the <laughs> Lucas is the ding-dong for several reasons today. But, yeah. <laughs> Like, like, hey, man, you just picked those up out of the, out the floor? Yeah, Lucas, you're the second person that's asked me that today. Day in the life. Buck busting his hump for not using the yeah. button bar. We can explain all that. Uh, we'll get into that next. You want to share a ding-dong with us, you can. Mark Spain Real Estate Hotline is open, 615-737-1045. I got an ass for SE. I shared in my car.
Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. You can go to MarkSpain.com to get a guaranteed offer on your home today and start packing. Mark Spain sponsors our ding-dong of the week every week. Because, oh, Mike, I told you, he he just threw his ding-dong out there on Zone TV. He says, <laughs> he th- oh, uh-oh. Yeah, his ding-dong is on Man, Zone now, TV. Where do we have 2,000 people looking at that? He well, threw a thing down out there. seeing it right now because Cuzzo Mike says, what's up, Hitman and Mickey? I can't call in like I hope, but I still want to give my ding-dong for the week. The NCAA rule makers with these stupid targeting ejections changed the rule, you ding-dongs. Four people got kicked out of the game last night. Ole Miss in Louisville. And by the way, just as an aside to everything else, the Ole Miss light blue jersey and light blue helmet, oh my gosh, I like that look. Oh, you know me in that color. I'm all in on that color. Oh, yeah. Well, I was too busy watching how they were just uh, guys getting thrown out. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, that too. Well, that's a ding dong in itself. Even though some some of the hits were, you know, hey, they look, man, Ole Miss look like, uh, ooh, man, they look really good. (laughs) I was, now you got to look at your opponent, but they look a lot, they look physical. I mean, they, when they hit you, they were stopping those guys in their tracks. Yep. And going the opposite direction, so I, I was thrilled. even the even the little four night uh, DB. He only I looked him up five seven. He was bringing heat. It's like your friend Mark McMillan sized right there. Yeah, but he was bringing that heat, man. He was hitting dudes and they was stopping. I'm like, oh man, what what is that weight program like? I need I, I need to get back into the weight room because <laughs> he he would have read me over. Then that that one running back Snoop, he, he just ran over everybody. I saw, I have a, a, a guy, uh, Brad Logan, who covers Ole Miss, who tweeted, he's their fourth string running back, Snoop. Yep, Snoop Doggy Dog. I don't follow, and if you're an Ole Miss fan, I know there are some in this market. He said, and this guy is fourth string. They couldn't do anything with him. Did you see him lower his, I mean, just wow. pow. Yeah. I felt bad for the DB because he was up there fighting off a block and, and then right to the play. I was like, oh, my. That was like a drive-by. People don't see all that. They just see that he got ran over like a dump truck, man. He was engaged oh, until, until the was, last second. That's then, the worst. That happened to the best. I just usually just hang on for life and my head hits the ground first, the back of my head. Like, oh, don't hit so hard. <laughs> that dude got the hammer dropped on oh, him. That, that's just absolutely horrible. That's just the worst. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a couple ding dongs there, man. With with the, all of the kicking guys out, man. Wow, Jeez. that's my ding dong. Then I'm sure there's a whole bunch out there. Also, another ding dong for all those people. And my man just posted it too. You know, uh, Matt Bachelor. Is that how you pronounce his last name? He works here. Brett he, Bachelor. Yeah, Bachelor. Yeah, Brett. His name Brett. Yeah, yeah. Anybody talking about they want some Bama? You better don't, stop that. Don't don't, don't say, don't say that. that. Don't say that. You don't want them. Do not. Yeah, Matt. Yeah. Do not say that, man. Say, remember Vanderbilt said that? I know that you better stop all that. They should just say they want a whole bunch of more change. <laughs> <laughs> they better quit messing around with Bama is not playing. Them a grown man out there. John Michael didn't offer a ding-dong, but he said in the zone chat, can we just talk about that? It's the saddest Vandy loss I have seen. My buddy had his son there on an unofficial visit. If you're Clark Lee, though, I mean, you actually got unofficially visited. You got recruited for athletics. I didn't. So, I mean, you you know more about what that's like. You had a son who got well, you recruited. Can, well, you can say that, uh, well, this is why we want you to come here. Right. See, see what happened out there? Isn't we that need yet? you. We need you. You flip it around, yeah. Right. You can fix this, brother. We, yeah. we got we want to you have to be you. part of that. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, well, if you're Clark Lee and you're, you're Barton Simmons and those guys, don't you have to tell them, hey, man, 
we can you get here tomorrow? Do you go ahead and graduate like that quarterback up at Ohio State? We need you yesterday, man. Get get come on. You gonna well, you fix know, this for us? Yeah, yeah. You know, and I, I like all of that. But it's the way that they lost in this game where they just looked like they were the FCS team. And ETSU looked like they were the, the SEC team. I mean, man, they were physical. They were hunting. They just wanted it, man. It was, wow. That was uh, that was tough. That was tough. Yeah, because I always want Bandy to do well. I yeah. really do. I just like, because the odds are against them. Yeah. I mean, so you just always like, okay, can they be in a game and then, you know, beat them some kind of way? I just think, man, I. I don't know. I, they don't. I remember you always want them to run the Army Navy type. Option. I want them to run the option. And every I want time them to they throw around the yard. I want the run and shoot or whatever you want to call I it. Or RPO or right. either run and crap. play every twelve seconds. Yeah. Or 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 go and find yourself a bunch of two hundred and sixty pound offensive linemen who can run. And and you could have had Keenan Reynolds. You. Mm-hmm. I mean, you maybe. Yeah. I mean, he went to Navy. That may have been his calling to serve his country. And and I love the kid. But you could probably get some of these quarterbacks who go to the service academy or something similar because you'd be like, hey, you'd come to Vanderbilt and run the same offense. Come here and run it. Yeah, yeah that's little offensive linemen who are who are made to run that system because they're out there. Well, it's just interesting that he when you hear you know Clark Lee say, yeah, we're going to out physical. I'm like, well, how are you going to out physical guys in the SEC? Your guys aren't as big as them. Yeah, I mean, it just You're not going. To. I, I'm, I don't know. I mean, and and they have gotten away with it to be honest. That's why you think you can. So you have to out-execute them. You have to be ahead of the curve on what, you know, plays will work versus certain schemes and systems. That's, a, that's why I think it's easy to use what you're saying is the the option uh, because it's hard to prepare for kids in a week's time, really three days you right, have right. to practice. Somebody's going to blow an assignment eventually. Yep. You're going to miss see your, your reads, and then, you know, the quarterback may have the ball, the running back, fullback may have it, the tailback may have it on the pitch. Somebody's going to blow an assignment, so you got a shot in there. Georgia Tech, that's really, that's what you're running, the old Georgia Tech. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, either that or throw it around the yard. And, man, did you see Hypo? That offense, I, that's what I meant to ask Ben McKee. Like, what does he call this offense? I mean, every time I saw it was 30 seconds on the clock when they were snapping the ball, and those kids are trained to give the ball back to the, the referee. They're running. I'm like, man, this thing is on warp speed. Yep. And I'm like, ooh, man, this is they – get, they were getting tired. And you see that a lot of players are get, rotating in, and that only thing weren't – you know, the linemen, offensive linemen weren't. The linemen were. The DBs were too. So, yeah, they put some different receivers out there at times. But, yeah, ooh, that thing is on. I don't know if anybody can duplicate the speed that he was going with that uh, that offense there at Tennessee with Hypo. Right, and you can't prepare for that. You can't. Like you said, you got three days. You you can't. No, There's no way you can prepare season. yourself mentally, no. physically. To First game, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Right. But after that, nah. Yeah, you got to get them to go some three and outs, and then the defense is going to get start getting tired because they're on the field too much, and they're going to break at some point. Let's get to Carl's calling from Mont Eagle. Let's get his ding dong on the air right quick. Uh, Carl, uh, give us your ding dong, man. How's it going? Thanks for calling the Mark Spain Real Estate Hotline. It's going pretty good. I'm eating lunch right now. I like it. Okay. My ding dong is the running into the kicker penalty. It was fourth and nine. Notre Dame was punting, and the Notre Dame kicker got kneed by a helmet. And because it was his kicking leg, it was only a five-yard penalty. If I was a ruthless coach, I would tell everybody, if it's four and anything past five, 
take the kicker out. Mm, now you my kind of guy. Man, that's a violent I, I, that's yeah. a violent ding dong from Carl there. Yeah, that was. That's basically just ruined uh uh, what's the kicker who got cut? It, it ruined his shot of making the Titans. <laughs> so, now, I'm sure somebody didn't try to take him out on purpose or anything like that, but he ran into him, you know, messed up his ankle, and now he's out of the he league. He was doing he, so he was well, the leading too. Candidate. That dude was doing a good job. Oh, man. See? Luck. That is luck of the draw. And that was – so, yeah, I get what he's saying about the ding-dong stuff. We can keep the uh, ding-dong talk going on the other side. Lucas can share his. I'll share mine as well. Uh, we got yeah, Share your ding-dongs call. when you come back. 100%. I think, Hold I think on. everybody's going to be watching and paying attention on while we're streaming here. Hold on for ding-dongs. It's Blaine and Mickey, 104.5. <laughs> <laughs>